0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Philosophy Rekindled with our focus book, the 1920 published version of Tertia Organum by Peter Espensky. Today we are discussing Chapter 18. This is Part 1. You will find the audio version of this chapter as an additional audio to this podcast, and you'll also find additional information on our website, philosophyrekindled.com. Today my guest is Peter Lancet, hypnotherapist, author and classic scholar. And I'm Alice Flanagan, fiction author, computer programmer and podcaster. Thanks so much for joining us and welcome Pete. All right, so Pete, I love this chapter and I know you do as well and there's a lot in this so I dare say we will be talking for quite some time uh, over the next next few weeks, uh, teasing out all the little gems that this chapter has. So I'm just going to start with the first sentence, the meaning of life. I love that the meaning of life. It was still still a, a catchphrase we use these days. And it would appear hundred years ago. It was was the phrase, but I really liked what he said here because he talks about you know some people it's it's the the religion that that tells us it's you know what the meaning is, and for other people it's sitting on a rock and trying to uh, you know raise your level of vibration. I'm just paraphrasing here. This is not exactly what he said. I think it's worth.
1: Hear me just going through what he actually says and lists. This is a list that's worth having let's because do it. people will recognize that this is what they or others claim to be, and especially people in the spiritual and personal development world. Did you hear the contempt in my voice there? It's, it was intentional. Yes, I did. I did. It was intentional. Okay. And I
0: think it's a great idea because let's do it.
1: Let's yeah. okay so some say the meaning of life is in service i.e you you count for nothing but it's the service that you give to it i know p- people that think that this is it they say it how how much they live it i i don't know but 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 they're but <laughs> when they're when they're virtue signaling on facebook uh they do say it oh, uh, do, it does come across stop, that way yes. and then you know this is the surrender of the self in self-sacrifice what i call martyr syndrome um Mm -hmm. Uh, The sacrifice of everything, even life itself, and you will know people that have no life because they need to fulfill service to other people. I think some of them are virtue signals. Some of them actually need psychological counseling or psychiatric counseling because they've put themselves into a position of service belief as the meaning of life. even to their own detriment, their own physical and mental detriment. So, you know, that does happen. Um, and by the way, um, certain things that we're going to come to in this chapter definitely push them in that direction. Mm. So we will be coming to that. Yeah. Others yeah. declare that the meaning of life is in the sheer delight of it. In other words, some of the things that we've said in previous um, episodes that we've discussed, you know, that, it's for the living of it. you know. Have those experiences. This is the fairground. Go on all the rides. Go on the rides that appeal to you and, and just have a wow of a time. How about that one? It's far better than the other one that we've just said. Some say that the meaning of life is perfection and the creation of a better future beyond the grave or in future lives for ourselves. This idea that you've got to conform to some kind of miserable sacrifice of your own experience in this life so that you will have either a trip to heaven in the afterlife or if you're a new ager that's believing in reincarnation which you know i i don't dispute for a moment i have nothing against that um, but the idea that you you have to live in a certain restrictive and prescribed way in this lifetime in order to have a more fulfilling experience in the next life. Um, you know, yeah, learn believe- all those lessons. Are, are, you not- are you noticing how this all of these beliefs in the meaning of life that we're, so far, mm-hmm. put, put the believer in a cage, in a very narrow, strict cage? Even the people that think that self-sacrifice, you know, in service, is the meaning of life and then they go on to facebook and they virtue signal and maybe they don't even live their their lives that way you know but so long as other people are seen to believe that that's what they do even they are in a box a box of their own making again you know and we haven't even begun to finish yet so um i love this others say that the meaning of life is in the approach to non-existence this this incredible nihilism
0: what does that mean
1: well i'll tell you what it means this is this is the idea of searching for nirvana and this disappearance this idea of negating the meditational negation this is an interpretation of of buddhism in many respects where where the actual aim is to disappear and of course some higher forms of hinduism and 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 guru Uh, practice of meditating meditating until your vibration is so high that you you're no longer a corporeal being and you've you've gone on to another dimension and stuff like that. so that kind of material nihilism um there are i know lots of people who believe that i do um Mm. i mean when i say i know i don't just mean i see on the internet people say i mean i know i physically know people that will actually say this you know and and they have this catchphrase about raise you know you should be raising your vibration at all times without without ever ever investigating just what the heck do they mean by that okay there are others that feel that the meaning of life is in the perfection of the race in the organization of life on earth by the way he means the human race not the aryan race or any other race
0: yes yes
1: so um there are those who deny the possibility of even attempting to know its meaning so far that's probably one of the better ones you know um, you know, there, there and there are probably other meanings but those are the ones he's listed and I recognize people with with those those ideas about what life means and how they should live based on these very restrictive strictures and we'll see in detail as this chapter unfolds just how restrictive they are um i know lots of people that do but you know uspensky does says does say that the fault and that's the word he uses in my 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 book Mm -hmm. the fault of all these explanations consists in the fact that they are they all attempted to discover the meaning of life outside itself in other words there's something external that will make your experience complete whereas that really isn't the case so so that's where we got to
0: if you even look at like all of those different explanations but even the one that says you know that that life is supposed to be you know the the delight of it you know you look at everyone's not everyone that's a bit of sweeping statement but a lot of facebook is based on Showing how I'm delighting in life. Aren't I having a fabulous life? You know, it's, even that is a trap. To think that it's just...
1: Even that is virtue signaling. I'm doing, well, yeah, everything, I'm doing everything right. Be like me. Look at the yes. virtue in me. I, uh, people will deny that their posts on Facebook have that kind of meaning. But I will argue to the contrary. And if we want the detail, I'll go to anybody's posts and I'll tell you where that's happening. And i'll I will philosophically argue it down to a reduction ad absurdum, so you know
0: I will agree with you and I have been guilty of it myself i will no, i with I
1: it. do it, I do it I, I I do it all the time, but I don't pretend that it's anything other than that. you know it's like hey, look at me i've just I've just built another deck, doesn't it look marvellous look at look at how I've laid it out. it looks wonderful. I sit here i I know what I'm doing, you know I, yeah. But I, I have nothing else to put. I don't understand what else Facebook's for. <laughs>
0: well, I'm, no, I'm not suggesting,
1: right. I, I am certainly not suggesting that everybody builds a deck like me, but I, I probably am suggesting, you know, why don't you do something fantastic for yourself? You know, and, and again, it's not my business to say that to anybody. What I do do is I do, I do, I, I do put my little triumphs <laughs> that, that I, I think are my little triumphs. I do put them on there. I photograph them and stuff.
0: Well, I must say, when I've looked at your, your building of your deck, I've been looking outside <laughs> my laundry thinking, maybe I can do that. Maybe if you can do that, maybe I can do that.
1: Let me tell you, if I can do it, anybody can.
0: <laughs> well, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking maybe I can. So anyway, and that's an aside, so moving on with Spensky. So Spensky goes on to say that all life experience is knowledge. Yeah. He's coming to the point of saying that, it's not about all these different reasons we give for living life. It's about us acquiring knowledge, and that knowledge is then being used because we're a consciousness that's sort of bundled up into a higher consciousness. It's, that's purpose of that higher consciousness is to use us to get the knowledge. We're almost like uh, the conduit.
1: Yeah, well, he uses the word curiosity, doesn't he? I mean, he says, you know... Uh all life experience you know is knowledge and it's a yearning towards the unknown toward the new in other words curiosity and almost right. almost right there he's summing up a meaning of life because to ha- we we're, we're to have this experience and we'll 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 come back to that as we go through but I, you know it, it's interesting that he says that and
0: yeah i I like that because That to me is, I mean, we can learn, we go to school and we're given all this what they call knowledge. I don't call that knowledge. I just call that Programming. Propaganda or programming. However, the curiosity is that impetus for getting a deeper understanding of something that isn't necessarily intellectual. You know, to me, curiosity is the driver.
1: And we are going to come across that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the next sentence he uses, and I want to ask you about this because I am totally confused. In my version of the book, Spensky talks about the I, and that's the 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 capital letter I, a lot, and I am very confused as to what he is referring. And I'll read you the sentence. In the very beginning of this book, consciousness and the world were recognised as existing, I and not I. The world is everything that exists. Consciousness may be defined as the realisation of existence. I I don't understand. He, he started using this I, capital I, uh, a few chapters ago. What do you think he means? Or do you not have that in your version?
1: No, he says the world is everything that exists. The function of psychic life may be defined as the realization of existence.
0: Yeah, so this is, I think he's dropped it then. This Because I noticed in last chapter's, you didn't have this i and not i and I, and I'm glad he has dropped it because it yeah, just me means too. nothing to
1: me well I've got to tell nothing. you there, there are things that there are things that Spensky does that switch me off and the, once he's dropped them I'm okay with it once he, if he'd have brought that back in um, we'd have been coming to judging halts as I deconstructed mm. uh, and, mm. and, which I which I would inevitably do um, so it, for me I don't have this i not i
0: and he's using psychic life instead of consciousness as well,
1: which I which I also prefer because you know we we keep going through that, but I I, I can't stand that word. Yes. <laughs> I've, I've so right. he
0: says psychic life may mm. <laughs> may be defined as the realization of existence. What do you think he means by that? That realization of existence. Self awareness. Existence of yourself in the world.
1: Yeah, and the fact that you have a relationship yeah. to. What surrounds you? What you perceive, what you see, feel, mm. what you, the the information that you get through your senses, but also beyond the five um, material senses, instinctively and so on, and and educationally, but mostly by experience. So mm. he's going to come to this. He he actually does explain it very well. I mean. And he, if you he take it step by step he, and then come back to that, I think you know, you'll you find that the answer's right there. It's this idea of this holistic experience that counts. So that we have to understand that um, emotions and feelings are also receptors for this world and for the, for the experience that we're having within it and the relation. And in fact, emotions are probably more important than the physical senses although all of them have their place. So intellect and emotion are together with the five senses, the receptors of our experience. But it's the realization Mm. that there is an experience being had that's possibly different to an experience that's being had by somebody or something else.
0: Yeah, and... Those experiences aren't just yours; they're no. being experienced by the consciousness you're part of, as well. Because I think that's what he's saying in the next in the next section. And I'm going to read what I've got because he's still using this "I" thing. And you tell me if uh, if you've got something that's easier to understand. So the I realizes its existence and the existence of the world, a part of which it is. Its relation to itself and to the world is called knowledge. The expansion and deepening of its relation to itself and the world is the expansion of knowledge. And then it does go on to say all the soul properties of man, all the elements of his consciousness, sensations, perceptions, conceptions, ideas, judgments, reasonings, feelings, emotions, even creation, all of these are instruments of knowledge which the I possesses.
1: Yeah, that's... What, what what I've got, you know the uh, he doesn't say consciousness, thank God, he says psyche uh, in mind. So all, all the and soul he uses properties the of man. yeah, which the I possesses at the end. That's the first time he actually uses the I. but he doesn't use that silly phrase "I not I."
0: So I like that what he said, and he, I like that that mm. statement that he's made there. It, it's about well, when when I when I read the expansion of knowledge. I'm equating that to experience because I'm not thinking it's knowledge like reading a book.
1: No, it is experience.
0: Experiencing and and having an understanding based on that through your senses and through the intellect.
1: Well, when he says sensations, when he's giving that list there in that sentence and he says sensations, he means the five senses. Those are, that's where the word comes from. I mean, it's sensations. So it's the other things that are interesting because um, the materialists in the world uh, and they're the ones who've taken over the world will tell you that there's only the five senses that's the only way that you can get information about anything but um, without without feeling the need to justify it Spensky rightly tells us that um, the other elements are just as important if not more so you know the perceptions conceptions ideas judgments reasoning feelings emotions even creation which I love all these are the instruments of knowledge which the... eye. And he explains it. He explains it in the next paragraph, the tiny little paragraph. He explains it well.
0: Shall I read it? Feelings, from the simple emotions up to the most complex, such as the aesthetic, religious and moral emotion, and creation, from the creation of a savage making a stone hatched for himself, up to the creation of a Beethoven. These, indeed, are instruments of knowledge.
1: Yeah, well, I've, I've got the means of knowledge, and it's... Um, and it's quite interesting as well because, frankly, it's the, exactly the same process for the savage. I can't help but laugh at this thing. <laughs> what about the crafty savage? I know. No, but he is, he is crafty because he's making a stone hatchet to change his environment and give him an advantage in, in his life.
0: Yes.
1: So, so, But he's, the point is that hes that's the same process as Beethoven um, writing uh, and creating a symphony. No difference in the process.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. they are means of knowledge. The uh, and we'll go on to say how that is um, a means of knowledge as we go on. If we discuss this now, we we close the chapter. You have to let this chapter unfold.
0: I'm going to bit by bit. Yes, I have a I have a long scaffold on. Here you go.
1: And that next bit is spot on. Only to our narrow human view. Do they appear to serve other purposes, the preservation of life, the construction of something or merely pleasure? In other words, the human element in us at the moment, the way we are as, as a human society, always looks towards the ends. And you quite often hear people 30? say, yeah, but you, you hear people say now, and it it is becoming a thing, you know, as, as people are investigating personal growth and things like this. Enjoy the journey. Don't focus on the, the end. Learn to enjoy the journey. In other words, living in the now and all the rest of this, the stuff that's very fashionable and, and which I, I really like and appreciate. Personally, that's, that's something that, that resonates with me. But, you, you know, there's a, there's a lot in the personal development world um, that talks about your enjoyment of the journey. When you've set a goal for yourself, if all you're doing is looking at the goal, then you're missing out. On the experience of the journey. What if you never reach the goal? Then you'll have missed out on everything. So mm. and that's what and that's what this bit is all about.
0: And t- in my book, he's he's capitalized human.
1: Yeah, the narrow human view.
0: So I think what he's saying there is that you know we're having a human experience. We d- other creatures
1: don't seem to have this this view, where the you know <laughs> the end justifies or, or or is the only goal. I, it's only us. It's only us.
0: I watch the birds in my backyard. They're, they're just having a jolly day.
1: Yeah, well, they're not constrained by morality, which we're going to come on to, so we'll see. It's only us that are.
0: <laughs> okay, so so he then goes on to say that when we understand the presence of consciousness in everything and study the whole not the part, i.e. we study the man, not the little finger, and and he further goes on to say, well, you know, it's the same as when we study nature. If we study nature as a whole, not the little finger of nature, then we will understand that every life is the manifestation of a part of some self-conscious whole. Okay, and then he comes in with something that's really interesting after that. He says, in order to comprehend the consciousness of the whole, it is necessary to understand the character of the whole. Consciousness is the function of the whole. Thus, the function of man is consciousness. And I dare say you've got some other word than consciousness in your
1: context. It's not the same at all. In order to comprehend the rationality of a given whole, it is necessary to understand the character of the whole and its functions. Thus, the function of man is knowledge. But without understanding man as a whole, it is impossible to understand his function.
0: So is he saying here that despite the fact that we all think that the, the purpose of life is X, Y, or Z, our function is to uh, expand our knowledge, knowledge being experience. I, I like the yeah. word experience instead of knowledge. Yeah.
1: Well, the knowledge comes from experience, doesn't it? So, you know, you...
0: That's, yeah, that's right. Uh, as opposed to knowledge um, being, you know, your very intellectual knowledge is... I think uh, in, in Spensky's point of view is a very broad term for... Yeah,
1: because it's got to be holistic. It's got to take in everything and, and even like the emotional resonance. Even if you were learning something intellectually, let's say you were re- learning history, I'm here I I will guarantee you that if you were studying history, there will be some aspects of history, some parts of his history that resonate with you more than others. And then that will be different for somebody else so how how do you know which parts that you enjoy studying the most because of how they make you feel it's a it's your feelings, and that contributes to your knowledge of that aspect of history or of any other discipline i I say history because history's a great story, and history does evoke emotions um, very easily and and readily
0: yeah, and even even down to the knowledge of how someone feels like you know if you've never experienced. Someone dying in your family, for example, you wouldn't have that depth of uh, knowledge that when someone else has experienced in that as as somebody who has had that feeling, you know that resonance with somebody else because you've had that experience um, Mm. that you can you can relate to others with that experience, and that's that still is knowledge.
1: Yeah, of course it is, and I I think you know because what what is doing here is taking knowledge out of the limited enclosed cage of the intellect. And saying that knowledge actually encompasses all of these things that the rational world, the world of the 3D materialist, gives very little credence to and, very, and sets very little importance by. And yet, and yet, as we're going to go through, that importance is increasingly what we need to connect with.
0: So he says, to understand the consciousness of the whole, you need to understand the character of the whole, and that's that. To me, is uh, that that word character is interesting because it's not something that's necessarily describable in language. Character is made up of a whole lot of different different parts. Character of somebody or, or of a whole can be how it feels, what it smells like, um, what what um, it's it, it's it's the whole essence of it yeah
1: well you know knowing the whole is not necessarily easy he's coming back to fechner again um i'm not going to go through the bit where he talks about what he did in um chapter 10 you know the artificial um analogy i don't care go back to going back to chapter 10 where we discussed it if you want if you're interested in it What
0: is your favourite thing? The two-dimensional beings, Pete. I know you're dying to that. It's not my
1: favourite thing. No, I don't. So, (laughs) but but this is a great quote from from When a man dies, one eye of the universe closes. So, can you imagine that each one of our lives represents a single point of attention within this 3D world? so your human experience is one point of attention mine is a different one and so on but we all belong to the same thing imagine here's here's a little analogy for you imagine a bowl of water and you dip your five fingers not the whole hand you dip five fingers into the water each finger will have experience of the water oh it's fluid I can move in it its temperature the consistency and so on each finger thinks it's having an individual experience but what it's feeding back the experience of each finger what each finger is feeding back is its experience to the hand the hand feeds it to the arm and so on until the whole human being behind those fingers gets the gets the the complete experience of the water from the point of view of all five fingers each individual finger doesn't know that it's connected to something beyond that all the other fingers are connected to and it can have a relationship with the other fingers (laughs) if it likes that's that's an independent independent relationship without knowing that they're that each of the other fingers is connected to the same hand as it is you get it and then the hand perhaps the hand perhaps doesn't realize that it's connected to an arm and the arm to a a body and so on Mm. so what we've done as a human being in this analogy is we've decided I wonder what I wonder what that water feels like. I wonder if it's. I wonder if it's hot. A a practical example: you're testing the water. Literally, you're testing the water. Ooh, I wonder if it's cool enough to get into yet. So you could you 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 dip your fingers in, and that tells you. But your fingers at the time are each individually thinking, "Wow, yeah, this is okay. I, I I can survive with this." Or if the water was boiling, it would be bloody hell. Get me out! Do we do we not sometimes live lives where we don't like it, but we had to find out the the whole behind us had to find out what that was like. Yeah,
0: yeah, that is interesting, and and this is what I love about the, the concept of the whole and us being part of it, even though, we, as you say, we're not necessarily aware of it. But yeah,
1: that idea of connection is what Spensky is talking about here, and the and when so when Fechner says that when a man dies, in my analogy. That's like one finger coming out of the water. Now we're relying on the experience of the other four fingers to tell us what the water's like. We know we no longer have the point of view of the finger that's come out of the water.
0: That's interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Every separate human life is a moment of the life of some great being which lives
0: in us. That's the, that's the bit, the in us. So it's not we're not separate, no. and if it lives in us and it's we not are part outs- of it's the whole, not
1: yeah, it's not outside us because yeah. it is intrinsically part of us, as we are intrinsically part of it. There's no getting away from and it.
0: And if if it's in me and it's in you, then we're not separate no, because we're
1: not. We've both got the same. Just, just as the fingers are not separate from the hand, they're all on the same hand.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I love that, and I love the way he's written it with the revised version because when i read it and i'm with you 100 percent, when he talks about consciousness my just my eyes do glaze over a bit where he said you know the life of some great being that makes 100 percent better sense to me
1: yeah well because you can picture it you can picture what mm-hmm. that means it was because of the wording that i was allowed and able to come up with my analogy and my illustrative mm. analogy of the fingers in a bowl of water. If he hadn't said that, if he'd have just used consciousness, I'd have skipped by. Mm. I'd have moved. I'd have moved on. So,
0: so I want to move to um, skip the next sentence, and then the next the sentence after that. And I'm just going to start it, so you can tell me what he writes. Mine says the consciousness of these higher beings do not exist independently of those lower
1: lives well he says the rationalities of these higher beings here do not exist independently of those lower lives and and why would they how could they mm. for for example i i as the higher being have sent my fingers into the bowl of water to, to 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 come back and tell they're almost like advanced guards they're scouts they've got to seek out they've got to hunt out the terrain so that i will know what that terrain is it's a creative experience to go into the water.
0: Yes, and you're not outside of those. They're they're, they're not acting independently of you. <laughs> they're acting. No, they're not on behalf of you. Yeah, in many ways.
1: How do I know that the How do I know that the fingers um, are independent of me? I can give you an example um, of that right now. If you ever learn to play the guitar, so this is personal. <laughs> Yes. Let me tell you, you as the whole person, your intention is for each of those fingers on your left hand. If you, you know, if you're not a left-handed player, that means your left hand is on the the fretboard. Your intention is for those fingers to hit the appropriate string on the appropriate fret at the appropriate time, and. If you ever hear anybody who's a beginner learning to play the guitar, you'll understand how infrequently that intention (laughs) takes place. You will screw up so many times. So these parts are acting independently and they obviously don't know what the intention of the whole is or surely they would land upon the right string at the right time.
0: But once they've got the training, they take on that memory themselves. So that you That's can play right. the guitar the fingers at the same get time.
1: The, the fingers get the knowledge, in the you know to use the way mm. that we're talking about in this chapter. The fingers acquire the knowledge so that you don't have to. You no longer have to look at the fretboard and try to move you your fingers do, on them. Yeah. It just happens. And as you said, you can then do other things. You know, you, I can talk to people. <laughs> while I'm while I'm practicing yeah. scales and things,
0: yes. I had a, a somewhat interesting example of that when I um I don't know if this is related, but I, I think it is. When I was um, going through chemo, I, I had moments where my brain just didn't remember stuff. And I'm driving a manual car. I usually drive an automatic, but I'm driving a manual car. And I got to the traffic lights, and I'm the traffic light goes green, and I could not remember how to drive a manual car. I just couldn't remember. Like I had this total blank and I'm sitting there going, I know I've got to move the gear stick and my foot on the accelerator and the pedal, I couldn't do it. So what I did is I turned the car off and started it up again, relying on my body memory to just get into that automatic how to start it up again. Fantastic.
1: I've got to tell you, I'm (laughs) glad I wasn't sitting behind you at the traffic light. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good story though because obviously the – the memory. See, we we're not going to talk about memory very much in, if at all, in this chapter. Uh, but memory, um, you can only you can only recall knowledge via memory. You know, the useful application of knowledge, the practical application of knowledge, comes about through memory. Do do we ever lose the memory? Is it always there? I'm I'm going to suggest that it always is that we can call on it, and that we can call on things that we haven't even experienced because we can call upon the whole, but that's taking us way steps into the future. You know, it's very, very interesting that, you know, once once a, a thing has learned, once a part has learned something, it can then use its knowledge and the experience to enhance its experience. You know, the the fingers playing the guitar, you, know, you, you, you do yeah. feel,
0: you do feel it. But the interesting thing is too that, those fingers playing the guitar know that they're not just a finger acting independently; that they are they they are part of a sequence of other fingers, and they put they they move in in some sequence with the other fingers.
1: They know that they're supposed to. They don't know how, otherwise they would be perfect every time because because you well, would be setting yes. the intention.
0: But like with my example, when I started the car up again, my feet knew that they acted in a certain sequence to get. The clutch and the accelerator moving they they knew they worked together it wasn't when I couldn't remember I couldn't get one to just work independent of the other they had to be together so there is some there was some awareness of acting as part of a, a whole
1: yep and I agree with you because that's exactly what what happens but it's at a it's at a level that you wouldn't rationally be able to understand, because if you could rationally understand it, you would not have had to have used a, a method of calling upon the inner resource.
0: That's right. I could have told my feet, do yeah. this, do you. that, yeah, and, and it would have done it. Yeah, exactly so. So just moving on, uh, Spensky now says, the, the consciousness of these higher beings do not exist independently of the lower ones. They are two sides of the same thing. Every single human, and I'm still going to use consciousness because that's what he's written, but we'll get what yours says. Every single human consciousness in some other section of the world may produce the illusion of many lives.
1: Yeah, every single human psyche in some other section of the world may produce the illusion of many lives is what he's saying. Okay, back to the fingers. Fingers in the bowl. Each finger thinks that the other finger is a separate finger having a separate experience that's all it is Uh, you know that's all it is and so we as separate human beings we've we're having a separate experience for the whole the the unseen unknown great being behind behind us and we are like an eye on the 3d world having the, the relating back Everything that we do, every every experience that we have, every feeling that we have, everything that we get through, the sensations, the five senses, everything that we experience intellectually, psychically, spiritually, emotionally, goes back to the whole. But we don't know that. We think it's us. And if we're having an experience, because we we believe that we are separate, if we have an experience that we... In relation to other people, think is terrible. Then we don't feel happy, and we're going to come on to negative emotions in a minute. If you've got, if you've got rings on your fingers, and maybe, and you know, maybe you've only got rings on a couple of fingers, the other fingers might feel envious. You get they that? Might. I mean, remember, you're not supposed to take this literally, but this is an, an analogy, and this is what we do. We we separate ourselves out, and then we start judging ourselves based on the experience of others because we see them as separate. Whereas actually, we're all part of the same hand, which is part of the same great being, that's that's dipped us into the water, to have, to mm. feed, to give this, to give us the feedback of, of the knowledge that we get from from doing things in that water.
0: Yeah, I really like that illusion of many lives because it really says very well that we think we're separate. I think I'm separate to you potentially, and yet your experience and my experience are feeding feeding the one.
1: The, the one thing behind us all yeah yeah now in mine he's actually put many in italics the illusion of many lives yes.
0: because it is are, an illusion
1: yeah. we are all the same and we are all connected some of us better connected to, than others so for example i would suggest that the fingers of the, of the left hand have a deeper connection and and are much more able then to work in synthesis and sympathy with each other than they are with the fingers of the right hand and so on uh, which is why we we feel a connection to what other people we think that they're they're separate from us but we do feel that connection because energetically we're part of the same hand whereas other people are a different hand we're still connected to, we are still connected through the great being behind the hands and the fingers
0: mm-hmm.
1: but the But the fingers of the left hand are in greater sympathy with each other than they are with the fingers of the right hand. Which is not to say Mm. that they can't can't work together in harmony and produce things because we know that both hands will come together to do things. Playing the piano or the guitar, both hands will come together. And the, the fingers of the left hand will look over at the fingers of the right and say, Wow, great job. I was enjoying what we were doing, but now that you've joined in, that's brilliant. It can happen that way. Yeah. Or yeah. the fingers of the left hand can turn around and say, you playing that melody line there is so wrong. We should all be playing rhythm and bass bass lines down here. And that, that could also be the case. Does that sound like what happens in human societies? Because that is what happens. Mm. And if something gets between us, and the great being behind us, as fingers, to stop us ever agreeing with each other, then we are easily put into little boxes and controlled. But that's for another time.
0: We'll get to that. Maybe that, that so. Is coming up. I know. So,
1: so, so we're going to skip
0: Hinton because I I know that you love him too much to. Uh,
1: I've skipped. i have already skipped him. You can talk. You can talk about him and his in us. And spiral in a two-dimensional flame plane.
0: I did hear you turn the page. I did. So, <laughs> <we get
1: off. laughs> so, so moving on. Actually, can I just give a, a, a line that I did like? <laughs> it's not yeah, in go Hinton. On, go on. It's post-Hinton, but he does say to us, "Life and the psyche are different and separate from each other because." And I love this because we are inept at seeing. Inept at looking at things. I love that. It is true. Mm. We have to train ourselves to look at things in a holistic way. The way we come into the world and the programming we have from birth, and even maybe from pre-birth onwards, teaches us about this separation. And we we have to go a long way to retrain ourselves to understand the reality of nature. We are inept at looking at things in a holistic way.
0: You're 100% right because even from the, from the day we're born, you know, I was born into a large family, seven kids, there was a competition to be separate even though you're all bunched together. Like mm. and school, you know, we're all going to mark you individually on how well you rate in our scale of ratingness, um, <laughs> et cetera. We are, we are trained to be unique individual and to be ranked against everyone else in in competition i think that there is a place for
1: competition and there there is a there is a place uh, you know there's great pleasure in playing a game where there's a winner and a oh. loser it's when we make something more of it than it is when we make it more than a game that we're in we have issues you know so i, I do i do believe that you know yes we, we can actually enjoy the illusion of separation, provided that we understand that it is an illusion. And it is a game and, that you know, we're playing the game so that we can feed back the experience of taking part in the game and the end result. We either win or we lose. Uh, how does that make us feel? We're feeding back all of that knowledge to the great being be- that, that we're part of, that, you know, that, is be- that lies behind us. I'm gonna say behind us because that's the easiest way if it's unseen it's it's an easy analogy to suggest that it's behind us you know it's
0: behind us yeah yeah and i think unseen is an un, yes and i I think what you're saying is is really relevant because i i guess when we are taught to be Um, individuals and we're taught to have this competition. But as soon as you turn that competition into something personal, if I win, that makes me blah, blah, blah. Better than you. Yeah, yeah, better than you. You're taking away the whole purpose of having that experience. And I see that in bridge all the time because I play bridge. It's it's People take it very seriously. And, you know, I'm playing bridge and if, if I manage to remember some secret play that you know that I've been taught 10,000 times and I finally remembered it and I play it out and I win the the trick I'm ecstatic with myself not because I've won against those other people because I managed to do something that I've learned and it's worked but you get other people in bridge oh come on play the cards and do this and they get all excited about um being the best and being the most fantastic and I think it they they lose the whole joy yeah. of playing the game. Well,
1: interestingly enough, the Spensky, um comes to a, an om, you know, very similar analogy later in this chapter, and I'm not going to spoil it by saying what that analogy is, but it's very, very similar to to what you've just said that he comes up with. So mm, we'll get no, to that. I, that yes. That's really interesting. We'll get to that. So anyway, you were on about so the, we'll, the the psychic life of yeah, a tree.
0: the tree. Yeah, yeah. So. We see it we see the life of a tree of this tree and if we were told that the life of the tree is a manifestation of well, I've got consciousness. Psychic life. Then we understand of psychic life. Then we understand it in such a way that the life of this tree is the manifestation of the psychic life of this tree. So it's very yeah. individual. In other words, but it's an individual it's tree, a, yeah. An individual tree. But this of of course uh, is an absurdity resulting from the three-dimensional thinking, the Euclidean mind. The life of this tree is a manifestation of the psychic life of the species or family, or perhaps the psychic life of the entire vegetable kingdom. And it's that same concept, isn't it?
1: There's the individual trees, you know, five on each hand. And, but we should be looking at the psychic life, not of the individual fingers, but of the hand, and perhaps of the whole person behind the hand so you know the, where the person is the vegetable kingdom actually maybe maybe more than that but let's just say it as that the person is the vegetable kingdom and you know you've got then we start going down the subspecies until we come to individual well species like the right arm species.
0: is a species the left arm is a species yeah. and exactly are,
1: Yep. yeah so we can do it the same yeah. way yeah Well, i like that you know because we do we do do that we we tend to do it we we treat each tree is an individual tree as we treat each other human being as an individual person. We do it all the time. So,
0: sim- and so similarly, if a tree dies, is that the closing of an eye yep. to the vegetable kingdom?
1: Would you not say the that it was? Process. I would
0: say that it was, yeah, I absolutely. I would, I would say too. that it was. And if the vegetable kingdom is part of, you know, Mother Earth, the s- As another big being, a great being? Yeah,
1: let's say the great being that lies behind us. And Mother Earth is part of the solar system. So we've got the sun as another great being behind Mother Earth and then the galaxy behind the sun and then multiple galaxies in the universe that's behind the galaxies. And then who knows what behind that, because we need to approach infinity. We're not going to do that in this chapter. But, you know, you can see that it would appear that there are limitless greater beings behind the whole thing.
0: Well, I, I think it's pretty cool to think that some of the experiences of me taking it, taking one for the team on behalf of the sun, I, I, I kind of think that's pretty cool. Like here I am doing, you know, Alice Flanagan life and those experiences all bundle up to the planet, to the solar system, to the sun, you know, that that they all have some accumulation of knowledge that is, is being accumulated. I think that's a
1: pretty cool idea. To be fair, so our, our separate lives are manifestations of some great rational entity, is what Spensky says, and I like that that phrase. I mean, he's probably going to say some great consciousness in yours, but he says rational entity, some great rational entity in mine. I knew he did, and that's that's why I wanted to get my, uh, my reading of that quote in before you did. <laughs>
0: So, and I'm glad you did, and I'm
1: going to read the next one. am gone. don't go any further, don't go any further. Because I'd like to say, I've put a question mark about that. He's done that thing again where he assumes that because he thinks that he's found a proof, that A, that he has, and that B, that we all agree with him. I wish he didn't do it, but, you know. Um, carry on with what he says, please. Uh, I just wanted to dig in there. Yeah,
0: okay. So, well, he says the proof of this is the fact that our lives have no other meaning at all aside from the and this is in italics process of acquiring knowledge performed by us
1: now I agree with I agree with what he says but I don't believe that that constitutes a proof that's the only thing now that that's a sidetrack let's talk about what he says you know that um, meaning um, our lives have no other meaning aside from the process of acquiring knowledge performed by us i love it it really is great so what what we have our experience in this world that's the meaning of life what we choose to do the choices we make is the meaning of life so you know when people say nowadays and again it's quite fashionable you know well you, you know you get up in the morning you can choose to be happy today or you can choose to be a miserable git it is it is true to say that I, I, I mean I work with that all the time it's uh, it's it's part of what I do for a living uh, but but we do have the choice <laughs> you know we really do have the choice um, uh, and when we make that choice that's the experience that we're having and that's what we're feeding back to the great rational being behind us that we are that we're all connected to that we're all I hate saying part of yeah. because that makes us parts, but <laughs> uh, yeah, separate. I it, it implies separation, that, that but we're there is no other way of saying. In, it. Yeah, yeah, immersed. It's in the it magic. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I was say, and I don't, and I don't want sophistry. Yes, I don't want it to take from from what he, what we're actually saying. So a thoughtful man ceases to feel painfully the absence of meaning in life only when he realizes this and begins to strive knowingly for that which he strove unknowingly before in other words when you're in tune with your life and your soul purpose that's when you're going to have a meaningful uh, understanding of what your life is
0: let's have a look at the surfing analogy because i think that that, I that's love a surfing. Bit here. Yeah,
1: let's go for it.
0: So, okay, so if you're riding the wave and you're just taking a chance and, and seeing if you can get to the shore and, you know, you, sometimes you make it and sometimes you don't, and mm-hmm. uh, but you don't know how, how you manage it, that's unconsciously. You've unconsciously managed to get to the shore um, mm-hmm. sometimes and not others. However, if you become conscious that your purpose is to really enjoy riding that wave and to be in tune with the, the the wave, so that you know which way to move your body to get the best out of that wave to get to the shore, then riding the wave becomes A so conscious. much more enjoyable. How about this as you're well? Consciously doing it.
1: Yeah, and this is the point, and Uspensky comes to this point too, that. Again, we love separating things out and putting it into boxes. So now you'll get, say, people, you should live in your instinct, your gut feeling. I would say that the gut feeling is as a red herring, by the way, gut feelings. I think you should feel from the heart. But nevertheless, that's that's a sidetrack. Um, but this idea that, oh, yeah, you've just got to go with your feelings. Uh, what? And ignore the intellect. Well, let me tell you, if you're a surfer and you can see where the waves break, where the rip comes in um, you can then have a far better experience of surfing one in which at the very least you you've, you've got a good chance of not drowning as well as actually getting into the shore yeah you know it, it needs this combination of, of all things we have to be much more holistic about this there's there's this sense in the world now of, of factionalism. Um, those in the mind body spirit um, world or, or, or identify with that world seem to be putting a, a value on feelings and not uh, and like sort of denying the intellect in exactly the same way as the three-dimensional materialist rationalists do to feelings you know they, they're doing it the other way what we need is this combination of both the intellect And the intuition and the intuitive feeling emotional based uh, sense to give you, give you that. The intellect will tell you when it's safe to go out on the water, where it's safe to go out, where the waves are going to break, how they're going to break, where you can pick up a wave. Once you're riding the wave, your intellect will not serve you because the wave is fluid. I mean, literally fluid and it's changing. Mm-hmm. The pressure's changing, the speed's changing, the height, the f- everything. So you have to allow your instincts to, 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 to keep your balance on the surfboard, to move your weight, to distribute your weight and so on. So that you have the experience that you want to have in that wave. Uh, it, you need both to be working in harmony, Yeah. intellect, yeah. emotion, feeling, instinct they all need to be working together and of course the 3d body has to be working as well because yeah we can we can say yeah um, let's ignore the material world but then your legs wouldn't hold you up on the board would they you know everything has to be working together everything has to be working yeah. together you know and and that that i i think yeah it's great that you use the surf analogy i think it comes in really well
0: yeah i i i I think and what Aspenssky has to say is you know it's it's suddenly you 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 are not just taking the default position anymore once you understand that you are now going to experience what you what you, we'll get to another sentence in a minute, which I think it clarifies it even more um but, that you're doing it without it being the default position, then mm. you are acquiring that knowledge um, and it's the process thereof. Just in the next paragraph, though, he, he goes on to say the process of acquiring knowledge representing our function in the world, and he goes right, right to this last sentence, which I think you know, is worth talking about, and we acquire the knowledge of that which we deserve to know. What do you think he means by that which we deserve to know? Well, I've
1: underlined it twice, and I, I, and I put a good question mark by it, and I have, I have my ideas. What do you think?
0: I think it's about if you've gathered so much knowledge, then the next bit, it's like a layering. So, you know, you start with understanding something. Um, you're in this planet and you, you learn something. Like, babe, let's, let's look at the surfing analogy. First of all, you you know how to, to get out there, so you do that. That's You, you know you know that you get out there. But maybe you haven't learned how to stand up on the surfboard yet, so you don't deserve to know that bit yet to experience that, let's experience doing it on our knees. You get that experience. Okay, now we can sort of start to try and stand up. So it's it's almost like you're building that knowledge. So once you've you've learned something, you deserve to know the next thing. That's what I'm thinking it means.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, very much so. Um, I will add a little to it, and again, I don't want to spoil what's coming later, but there are... Um, certain emotions and feelings that constrict us from attempting to have an experience so if you look at the waves and you say oh no that's frightening that's too big for me you'll never have an experience of going through a crystal tunnel you know, you will, you'll not do a crystal voyage where the way you know you're in the tunnel of the wave
0: mm, where it curls uh, over yeah, yeah that's
1: right so crystal voyage, basically yeah you you won't deserve to have that experience because um you've rationalized that yeah you've limited yourself by fear it's another emotion mm. and he does we are we are going to talk about that uh, later in this chapter mm. uh, that and others that limit us but so we'll only have the experience that we deserve to have you know there's there's no amount of watching movies and videos of somebody surfing or well, you know the world surf Uh, Has a website and they they're constantly showing the most amazing video stuff that they're getting out on the waves and you can go through the crystal tunnel you know the crystal voyage tunnel, but here's the thing, it's not the same as doing it. (laughs)
0: Exactly, reading a book on golf doesn't make you a golf master, you know. No, it doesn't.
1: It just doesn't, does it? You know, so you you won't you know. There's, there's a lot of different ways that we can interpret now and we can expand on this idea of, you know, we only acquire the knowledge of that which we deserve to know. And and by the way, that doesn't mean that we are limited. We're only limited if we choose to be limited. We can deserve to know everything. That's, a, that's yeah. one of the possibilities. Most of us don't. I mean, most of us find limitations. Even even people who seemingly have everything, they'll find you'll find if you look deep enough that they've limited themselves in some way.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. It's um, it's it is our it's kind of our burden to bear and and to unshackle ourselves with in many yeah. ways. So, Pete, I'm going to leave it there, and I know we've got uh, a lot to go in this chapter. So, we're going to continue next week. Thank you so much for this conversation this week it's it's this is a great chapter and uh, i've really enjoyed chatting with you over it
1: yeah it's I, i've enjoyed it and i know what's to come so i'm looking forward to next week's so it'll be great
0: we'll see you then and thanks everyone for listening